Hello and welcome back to the Flail Skulls podcast. I'm Joe as usual and today we're going to be going through some various army lists that Casper uh, uh, and I made for a uh, potential battle day that was going that was happening in Copenhagen. Unfortunately um, due to time issues and work I was unable to attend uh, which is a shame. Um, as we did have spend a lot of time preparing these army lists. Of course like uh, a week before the actual event we were also informed um, by one of our friends as we mentioned in the last podcast that this was not exactly a a tournament style play and we would be play facing a lot of new players and they might get disencouraged from the game by needing something as uh, math hammered um, as, as we were planning on doing the army lists but uh, as I mentioned last podcast I we wanted to go through these lists and that's what we're going to be going through today so to start off with I'm going to be looking at the various scenarios um, reading about them in the rule book just to clarify the various information and this will help you understand some of the choices that we have made especially in the choice of faction and choice of units so if we take a look at the scenarios the first one is of course scenario number one which is the pitched battle uh, now pitch battle is fairly straightforward you deploy 24 inches away from each other you have 12 inches on either side of the deployment zone and uh, you allow special deployment rules um, uh, you roll to see who goes first it's it's fairly straightforward in pitch battle um, the uh, you have to look at the statistics of the units and of course at least in our opinion here the flail skulls one of the most important statistics to have on your units is mobility if you're playing uh, you're rolling basically rolling a, a d6 on a pitch battle roll at one or two you play four turns three to four five turns and five to six six turns and uh, yeah you basically play until you've taken down a number of turns or somebody concedes now on average you will probably roll five turns it would uh, seem the most likely uh, choice to hit uh, and of course with 24 inches between you if you have something with a movement of four and your opponent is not looking to engage you in combat then that infantry which is most likely to, to be the one with movement four is unlikely to see combat so if you put too much uh, of your points into uh, an infantry unit um, it's uh, it's just never going to nobody wants to fight it straight up and they'll just leave it alone or circumvent it or similar actions now if um, you do not put enough points into a, a rank and file unit then the enemy can close on it with fast units and destroy it by picking it apart either range fire or chariots with uh, cavalry uh, flying units etc or magic and that will uh, basically uh, be almost three points for your opponent that they can also dodge this is one of the reasons why movement is such a a powerful statistic to have for the um, uh, next scenario this is going to be a little more interesting um, it's looking at scenario number six which is the ambush so in the ambush you have to line up your uh, the defender has to line up their army with their sides facing against uh, the enemy and they ha have to deploy a, a maximum of three models wide meaning you can't really get any kind of rank bonus until you turn and face the enemy again you play uh, one uh, you play four five or six turns depending on a dice roll and uh, you, the ambusher always goes first so the deployment in this one of course is a little different you still have the 12 inch margin on either side of the deployment zone but you're only 18 inches away meaning if you have a unit uh, if you're the ambusher and you have a unit with uh, uh, movement nine that means if uh, you could potentially charge your opponent 
in the first turn if they deploy straight up to the line. Uh, given that the the ambushed army has a uh, reduced deployment zone, they're only 12 inches deep, meaning that they have to deploy all the way to back if they have to avoid any charges. Say you had a, a Warriors of Chaos chariot with slanish steeds, you have a 24 inch uh, charge range. Then you only, as a defender in the ambush army, you only have five inches to deploy in uh, with everything you have um, if you want to survive not being charged. Uh, the same goes with uh, flying uh, units. You can fly 24 inches, you can also charge that distance. Uh, basically, you're massively reducing your opponent's uh, chance to, um, oh well, the area in which they can deploy since you always have the first turn as the ambusher. Of course you have fewer points than the opponent since you're playing a um, you're playing with uh, 500 points less in most cases uh, or rather you're playing with um, two-thirds of what the ambush ambushed has. So the ambushed army will be say be 1500 points and then you'll have a thousand points to ambush with it. And um, for war machines and war machines are severely hampered in the ambushed army. So, as the defender, for example, you cannot use them at all in the first turn. So your first turn is a meaning uh, the opponent attacks, then your war machines do nothing, then your, war turn, your opponent gets another turn, and then you have a, uh, uh, on the second, your, uh, what is this? Yeah, uh, in the in your second turn, you have to roll a 4+, plus in order to be able to use one of your war machines. And this includes chariots. So you can't just have a chariot army defending. You're just going to be stuck in the first turn, giving your opponent even more time to ambush you. So war machines seems like a definitely a big risk to bring in either your 1,500-point army or in your 2,000-point army. Um, also, the... Um, the special deployment rules. Uh, uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, the special deployment rules are exactly the same as in Pex Battle. You're allowed to deploy them after normal deployment, as long as they're not in sight of the enemy and within a certain distance of the enemy. Meaning, uh, let's see here. Yeah. Also, the 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 ambushed army, the defender in this scenario, deploys the entire army first, and it mu Remember, it has to be only three models wide, and you have to face, uh, choose a uh, traveling direction, either to the left or to the right. So you don't have any vision in your first turn either, uh, unless you have any, managed to deploy some uh, some special deployment troops, like if you were lucky enough to get like a, a wood or a house that you can hide behind. Um, but they would definitely need, seem like a, a necessity for your army, given that if you don't have them, then your opponent can, the ambusher, can deploy their special deployed units like almost straight up in your face, given that you're not facing that direction. This is a very, um, very uh, powerful scenario for the attacker. And the, uh, even though you're outnumbered by maybe 500 or 1000 points, you still have a massive advantage against the uh, defender. So yeah, that's the uh, that's the uh, ambush scenario. And of course, the next one is the number seven scenario, which is the last stand, and this one is very advantageous for the attacker. Uh, the defender army has uh, forms up in the center of the battle map uh, in an eighteen by eighteen inch square. Then there's an eight inch distance from them to the attacker's deployment zone and then the deployment attacker has the rest of the map to deploy. Now, all the defenders do get an additional leadership score um, simply because they're, they're dogged a determination to fight to the end as they write it. It has the same amount of turns as a pitch battle and an ambush battle. However, in this scenario, the defender always goes first now there are some, let's see here, 
yeah special deployment uh, can still be used uh, even for the defender however it's going to be a little bit difficult because you set up your um, entire army first and then your attacker gets to to set up their army meaning even though the defender has the first turn um, and could make some potential uh, charges uh, you can avoid all those charges as the attacker because you simply uh, get to see their entire setup even before you uh, you start the um, uh, you start your deployment. Now there is the um, uh, issue for the attacker that you do need to uh, clear out the center, uh, otherwise your opponent gets five automatic victory points. Uh, he just needs one unit. Uh, that's still not broken in the uh, centermost uh, def uh, deployment zone to get these five victory points. But there are plenty of other options to get uh, uh, victory points for the attacker. You could just wipe out his entire army all but one unit. That should still give you the um, the necessary uh, points you need to win. Of course, as the defender, you only have half the amount of points that your attacker has. so. You'll have a thousand points against their two thousand points given this uh, battle day scenario and that is the only option where you can find a last stand scenario as if one of the players rolls the lowest the thousand point army and the other one rolls the two thousand point army otherwise it's going to be one of the other scenarios so this one is the least likely to happen which is important to take into consideration um, you do have full use of your war machines However, you are only eight, uh, if you are going a little bit too heavy on the uh, war machines in this scenario, uh, the enemy only has eight inches to get into range and you'll only get one turn to shoot. So it does seem like a scenario where you want, uh, like uh, in uh, the same in ambush. And in generally in pitch battle, it does seem like movement is a very significant part of this um, of this uh, type of uh, scenario. Now the good thing about uh, special deployment, that's actually the thing I just noticed now, since you are deploying first with your entire thing, uh, you can deploy your scouts in any way you want. And you just need to, but you can only do it within those eight inches. That is the restriction on it. So they will be open to enemy uh, fire in the attacker's first turn. However, they do get a turn to move into a better position and they are pretty well suited to deny the enemy's uh, special deployment since um, special deployment cannot be done if the enemy units have sight of it at the beginning of the battle. You do also get the uh, some fences, a village or something similar to defend your troops since you're outnumbered, meaning your opponent has to use more than one unit for each one you have. So that kind of evens it out. But you are on the back foot in this scenario pretty much with uh, the opponent having twice as many points. So in our talks uh, about these various scenarios, we I think we came to the uh, conclusion that the best option for the last stand was simply to to avoid uh, combat as much as possible as the defender, uh, meaning you need mobility. And then you can always end the final turn with a unit in the, the defending's area, giving you those five victory points. It's just one unit of troops, so you do need to have uh, fast moving. I don't think it will count something like a demon prince landing in the center, but uh, we'll get to that as we start talking about the armies. So. The last stand, of course, the only choice you can get there is if you roll 2,000, the opponent rolls 1,000, or the uh, other way in reverse. Otherwise, you're looking at a pitch battle or ambush. Now, ambush can happen for several of the armies. The 2,000-point army can be ambushed. The 1,500-point army can be ambushed. The 1,000-point cannot be, be the ambusher, ambusher, and so can the 1,500-point army. So that is uh, four different roles basically, depending uh, for different chances uh, to get the ambush battle. So it does seem to be one of the more likely scenarios. Uh, the pitch battle 
has uh, you have to roll the same so it'd be a thousand versus thousand fifteen hundred versus fifteen hundred or two thousand versus two thousand that's three options uh, so the ambush does seem to be the most likely scenario to be drawn so with that in mind we're going to be looking at the first army now the first army we did was the uh, 1000 point army and um, Casper being our resident chaos expert he was the main author of these lists with me just uh, adding some some thoughts or uh, asking questions basically about what he did because my my chaos especially my demons of chaos is not particularly strong so i uh, left it on casper to to build the list and then for me to mess it up once we got to the actual battle day looking at the uh, the thousand point list here it's of course war uh, demons of chaos all three choices you could we could have gone with a different army for each setup but um, for the purpose of having the models painted in time for this scenario we decided to go uh, with demon princes uh, well, well demon prince yeah with demon princes but with the demons of chaos for all three choices and not just only because they were the strongest or at least one of the strongest factions in the game. We went with a Sinchian uh, Demon Prince as the general. He has the uh, Flames of Sinch for 25 points. And then he has a uh, one sorcery level, so he's a level one caster for a total of 360 points. And that's, that's the general and uh, one of the most fearsome uh, uh, units you can field on the battle made quite cheap. In order to be able to fit into this uh, army flames of siege is simply a decent ability it's not very expensive and it gives you a little bit of extra f uh, to do in your uh, shooting phase as well and of course with a spell level you get a siege and magic hopefully you don't draw something other than uh, the, the power of siege um, but of course uh, in that if that's the case that's why we also in the retinue for uh, this uh, demon prince we also included six pink horrors now you do get a magic level for each five pink horrors so in this case this would be a level two uh, caster as, as well so you basically have three spells in a in a 1000 point army a, a flying monster um and some fairly survivable spell caster as well so you will go with six to get the extra one magic level you might you probably lose one during the battle but that seems to be all right of course uh the pink horse also carries uh standard and then they carry the banner of sorcery for some extra winds of magic now you do have the potential to get extra winds of magic with the sinchian school of magic however that is not exactly what you would like to draw um given that you only have the three spells and you're likely to lose one of them during the game of course, when we're building a Sinchian army, of course we need to bring Flamers of Sench as well. Sench or Sinch? I'm not quite sure about that one. It's it's a, like a, a lifetime long uh, confusion whether how how to pronounce it. So I'll probably be switching between those two throughout the podcast. Uh, if you know what the actual pronunciation is, feel free to to let us know. But yeah, Flamers of Sinch. Uh, five of those that's 250 points the pink horrors with a standard that's 270 points and then of course there's room for a chaos spawn as well uh, for 70 points fairly cheap it's unbreakable um might do some random movement but you know it's it's a little bit extra uh since bringing uh units to the uh to a chaos list it's usually quite expensive you generally end up not spending all your points simply because you don't have these little units like goblins or uh, clan rats or even humans for that matter where you can have cheap models to just fill out those last points so this is a thousand point army but it's only on 990 points and of course to finish off the list we have brought some allies as well which is six harpies for 90 points now as we've talked about quite a few times harpies is probably the best rank and file 
infantry troop in the game simply because they have a mo movement range of 24 they have two wounds they have strength four toughness four and they have weapon skill four so harpies are in general quite powerful um extremely good at their points cost in uh, in fifth edition i mean very very good units I only have one attack and leadership six but they do have to have some kind of downside um, they also can't of course have standards or champions or similar they cannot have character models leading them um, meaning they will always have to rely on their own leadership unless they're within uh, 24 inches of uh, within 12 inches of the general but we do have the the demon prince that also flies meaning should leadership become an issue for the harpies say if you're facing a lot of fear causing units um then you have the demon prince to back them up um, and in general you have a very mobile army here i mean the demon prince has 24 inch move fly uh so the with the harpies the spawn moves 2d6 but it's it's there for the extra points and of course you have the flamers with their ridiculous movement of nine so they can move nine and shoot of course they only have the room range of six that should be a big issue in the uh, pitch battle or even in the i mean here I'm talking about the last stand battle because you do only have the eight inch deployment zone between us so your opponent has to deploy quite far back if they want to avoid being shot by uh, flamers of sench in the flamers of siege of sench Mm -hmm. still going on with that one flame was a siege in the uh, first round of combat so if the opponent de deploys way in the back of the deployment zone then you have a lot of time to set up your mobility um, your demon prince and your harpies they can fly high and, and you know take out any uh, range units that are hiding um, or s separated from the rest of the army you have a lot of mobility this way and of course you have the pink horrors to sit in the middle and cast spells and um, just try and avoid combat for as long as they can while your uh, demon prince harpies etc clean up and of course if you do end up with some of your harpies surviving uh, by the end of the combat you can just fly them into the middle and give you those extra five victory points so there you have a pretty strong list for a thousand point army um, of course, there are counters for everything, which is why this game is so great. Um, I mean, if you do meet someone who's brought the Storm Banner, for example, you're in a little bit of trouble, um, or rather a lot. But, you know, you can't build uh, a list, um, at least not for a tournament, be, uh, uh, expecting a certain counter to your army. You have to build it as balanced as possible. In this case, you have to build it towards the scenario and these scenarios all require mobility you don't want to get trapped in the middle and just be picked off one by one uh, by the attacking army so that's the thousand point army now if this was the ambushing army say it was ambushing a 1500 point army you again you have the mobility first turn the opponent can deploy they have to deploy with a side turn to you you can even, I mean, even your uh, Flamers Ascent Siege, even, let's, let's go with Siege here, because otherwise I'm going to say do this every single time I mention it. Flamers of Siege um, could potentially even make a charge, because the opponent cannot get rank bonus. They are facing the wrong way. So they need some, if you're a defender as the ambush army, you need something unbreakable or a lot of mobility. Um, you have your demon prince to fly in and cause terror the first round and even destroy some enemy uh, war machines that decided to bring that or to uh, catch some uh, some ranged units that can't even stand and shoot against the uh, demon prince and you have the the pink horrors to cast magic and you have the chaos spawn to be a a, a blocker so it'll it'll move in the direction of the enemy forcing them to fight that before they can get to the meaty stuff the pink horrors that's the same with the thousand point battle where you do the last stand 
So generally, it's it's also quite powerful there. Um, with five flamers, you'll be do dealing. Uh, you know, you'll be rolling to hit with a BS of five, which is quite strong. So two plus without any modifiers. Comes a three plus after you've moved. Um, and I guess you will have to be a four plus if you're uh, over three inches in a range. But even a four plus, if you hit with half of them, that's two and a half hits. That gets um, multiplied up to D6 strength three hits for each uh, hit you get. So you can roast some light armored units uh, or light uh, low on toughness enemies rather quickly. And they're fairly decent against, if you do have to charge them into some monstrous infantry, they're also quite uh, decent because they do do D3 wounds to enemies in melee combat. And of course, they're not affected by obstacles, so they can just bounce, or bound as they say, and they basically hover over the, the obstacles that are in the way, so you have some quite good mobility in them. The same, of course, with Demon Prince. You have the Flames of Sinch. Uh, you can do the charge. You can do the terror. Um, harpies. Do the charge. Support the, uh, the Demon Prince. Or uh, fly high and prepare for... Yeah, well, you don't really need to fly high in the ambush battle. I mean, the enemy has to have a very, very small army. So they will have... They, you Basically, in order to have a good battle for the... The ambushed army you would need to have specifically designed the army to for this one scenario and then it's going to be suffering for some of the other scenarios so in all this is a very potent uh, list that Casper has made uh, I was quite uh, I enjoyed reading about it of course we did have some discussion of whether you should bring the uh, banner of sorcery on the pink horrors is the eternal argument when you're talking about um, bringing a standard for a unit well is the unit um, is it going to be strong enough with that banner in order to you to make it worth uh, to add a hundred points or rather one victory point to uh, your opponent should the unit die given in the flail skulls edition we do count it as uh, 100 victory points for a standard when you capture that. In, uh, in regular 5th edition, it'll be one victory point for capturing the standard, uh, meaning the unit becomes more expensive. So even though it costs 270 points, it could be for the opponent be worth three to four victory points, which is, is quite a lot of victory points in just six models. Even though they split up into blue horrors afterwards, it, the whole thing gets destroyed it's a lot of points for your opponent. So that was one of our, um, one of the options that we weighed, you know, removing the banner of sorcery, and then maybe add a second spawn instead to the army. But given the power of uh, Sijin magic, uh, it's nice to have that extra winds of magic to really go off if you get the right spells. Like you get the, what's it called the pink fire of Sinch. Sinch. Uh that's quite a good opener if you get that uh, into play now for the uh, 1500 point army uh, you'll see it's fairly similar in its choices but we have added more units to it to opt the uh, mobility of the army and the power of the army so this is the, the 1500-point army. It has uh, three options that it can face. It can either be the ambushed army in a, uh, by a 1000-point army, or it can be the ambusher of a 2000-point army, or it can be a pitched battle. So you cannot face the... If you do roll the second army, you cannot be last stand in any sense. Uh, so for this army, uh, with 1500 points, it was possible to put two demon princes in the army, which is always a great choice for the demons of chaos. The first of general, of course, is the 
the Sinchian Demon Prince. In this case, he also has the Flames of Sinch, but instead of the the spell level, uh, we decided to give uh, him Chaos Armor instead with a little bit more protection. Since you are facing some stronger armies, in this case, um, we decided to go a little bit back on the uh, um, general, also to make room for the second Demon Prince, which is the a Demon Prince of Corn. Demon Prince of Corn is a beast in combat, um, giving it um, the uh, demonic strength and the Lord of Chaos trait. So it's quite powerful. It hits hard. It has a bunch of attacks, and it negates the demonic animosity that you're bound to encounter when you have uh, demons of various factions. So of course for the Sinchian Demon Prince, the retinue is again, six pink horrors, standard bearer, banner of sorcery, 270 points. Uh, the Demon Prince General is now 285 points with the, uh, uh, 325 points with the uh, the setup that we've given, given him for this list. And of course we do have the Chaos Spawn again as a blocker, uh, hopefully to keep the pink horrors alive as long as possible. Um, for the corn um, demon prince and and its retinue, we picked up uh, two units of five flesh hounds of corn for three hundred and fifty points, uh, with the the demon prince of corn being at three hundred forty five points. So we're meeting the requirements of the retinue. Flesh hounds, very strong, very fast, very durable. Um, one of the best units in the corn roster, definitely. Um, more flesh hounds you have, the better. Um, you could have gone with blood crushers instead, but given the cost, that would have been like one unit of, uh, of blood crushers instead of these two units of uh, flesh hounds. And having two units is always better than having, well, in most cases, it's better than having one unit simply because you spread your points out. If you do lose uh, a unit to a mistake or to something you can't prevent, well, it's not that big of a loss. You still have half of the unit somewhere else or half the point cost you spent somewhere else. For the, uh, the allies, this time we went with, with five harpies instead of six. Uh, that way we made room for five Dark Elf Scouts. And the reason for Dark Elf Scouts is of course because Dark Elf Scouts is the best unit in the Dark Elf roster and potentially the best ranged unit, ranged infantry in the game. Um, it's not quite sure what is stronger, whether it be Dark Elf Scouts or Wood Elf Archers. Uh, this is a consideration of their points cost, the damage they can do and their abilities. While the Wood Elf Archers have a longer range, Dark Elf Scouts can shoot twice, and they are skirmish. Uh, and they're very cheap for their cost. I mean, Scouts, five Dark Elf Scouts, with potential up to 10 shots at uh, quite a good uh, ballistic skill, at only 65 points. It is dirt cheap. So, given that this army can be ambushed, we now have an army that has very few units, meaning if we do see uh, an opponent who has uh, a very long charge set up for the first turn, um, we have the ability to deploy within a very small area, denying the enemy that first turn charge, allowing us at least the time to, to turn, to face it, or given the mobility that we have in just about all our units except for the pink horrors, um, the ability to move out of the way so that we can move out of their charge arc and thus uh, denying them that uh, juicy charge that they need. And then also we have the two Demon Princes and this is where it works to our advantage with a Corn Demon Prince. Corn Demon Prince has Frenzy, meaning it will always have to charge if there's an enemy within its charge range. And of course with a Demon Prince it has wings so it can fly 24 inches. So um, if your opponent deploys a a demon prince of corn against you 
you simply have to get like uh, something, some unit that you wanted to bog down or you wanted to draw it off to a corner of the battlefield. You just get something into its charge range and it will have to charge it. Uh, this is usually countered uh, in the deployments phase uh, when you're playing corn by having your corn demon priests faced in the wrong direction uh, just in the deployment phase. That way you can always fly high with him and then charge the next turn. So while everything is in a pitched battle, the everything would be facing against the opponent, the corn demon prince would be facing towards your uh, table, the edge of your table, just so nothing can get its, its, its range and force it to do a charge. In this case, you have to face one direction, uh, not the actual band, but one <laughs> either to the left or to the right. And this works perfectly with the Corn Demon Prince because you do not want him facing the enemy in the first turn. You don't want to be forced to make your charges. You want to decide the charges yourself. Uh, again, we have a, this time we only have a level 2 caster and it can be fairly quickly reduced to a level 1 caster by killing off uh, one pink aura. However, we we have a lot more uh, combat units. Combat units here. So we have the Flesh Hounds and they have their natural... Uh, immunity or uh, dispel against magic. Uh, we still have the Demon Prince of Scenes, who can fly around and cause havoc. And we also have the Corn Demon Prince, who can also cause havoc. You can cause terror multiple places. Uh, if you're ambushed by a thousand point army, you have easily outmatched their line with this setup. With the two Flesh Hounds, they can easily get out of range as well. And uh, they have a pretty good mobility. You have the Harpies, and of course you have the Dagger Scouts, which can special deploy, so you don't need to worry about them. They can even be deployed to to take any charges in the first turn. And of course, if you are the ambushing army, uh, you have a pretty potent force to go straight ahead. I mean, depending on what faction your opponent goes, there's a very unlikely chance that they'll be able to fit everything in within only five inches uh, uh, deep and uh, 12 inches wide. Of course, they might be able to do that, but still you have a pretty good advantage even then because you can you can basically try to surround them from multiple flanks, meaning the, they have to choose uh, some sacrificial units to, to um, block you off. Um, and there, there's no real chance of them being able to catch your uh, your midi units like your the, the pink horrors you don't want them to be charged by anything so you can keep them further back where they are still in range to cast magic but the enemy has to move at least two turns to get to them and you can always anything that moves forward you can clobber down on with all the flying units you have and you still you have the spawn you can deploy in the middle of them uh, of the enemy so they have to go through that in order to get to your pink horrors and with all the mobility you have the option to change sides whichever side the opponent turns to face you can just go to the other side and support that side um, basically you'll be able to make a sort of pincer movement onto this uh, ambushed uh, army with fairly fairly ease i mean of course the enemy will have 500 points more than you but with Demon Princes, your units are just so powerful that they will be able to take multiple units each, given the right circumstances. Or, of course, you could completely mess it up, as I was probably likely to too, because I'm so unused to playing Demons of Chaos. And, of course, in the pitch battle, again, mobility is king. You have two uh, flying monsters with 24-inch move and flight. You have the Harpies with flight. You have Dark Elf Scouts with special deployment. You have fast-moving Flesh Hounds. And then you have a caster in the back to support you a little bit. A caster that's fairly difficult for the enemy to kill. They can reduce the magic level fairly easily, but not kill the last magic spell for you. This, of course, is exactly 1,500 points. This is very good. Uh, army building from Casper. Uh, I think it's the inclusion of the um, Dark Elf Scouts and the Harpies that makes it possible to uh, hit that accurately.
So let's move on to the 2000 point army. And 2000 point army, of course, has three different options you can face. You can either be the attacker in a last stand battle, you can be the defender in an ambush battle, or you can be fighting a pitch battle, of course. Now this is where the, um, at 1998 points, where the demons of chaos really start to become a very menacing force. First of all, we're bringing the same as Zinchi and Demon Prince as before. Uh, Flames of Zinch, Chaos Armor, total 325 points. And uh, he's again joined by the Corn Demon Prince. However, the Corn Demon Prince is, is uh, changed this time. Instead of having the demonic strength, it now has the Spellbreaker, giving it the automatic uh, dispel. It's quite expensive, so it wasn't points for it in the 1500 points but if you can bring it it's a great it's a great thing to have on your uh, non-general corn demon prince and of course it also has the lord of chaos so you don't get all that uh, annoying uh, demonic animosity as for the retinue for the Xinjian uh, 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 demon prince this time there's no pink horrors this is something I was quite interested in seeing uh, simply because uh, which is also why you see the spellbreaker there are no spellcasters in this army this is uh, a purely smash and grab type of army uh, so the the, uh, the retinue for the Xinjian Demon Prince is two units of five flamers for 500 points straight up Flamers are just so good, um, and and the uh, mobility they provide and the damage they can provide is is very uh, very strong. Of course, they are very expensive, and which is why they have so much movement. So you can get out of most situations where you might be in trouble. Uh, if the enemy brings flyers, you have two demon princes that fly that can contest the air. Meaning you're fairly safe with your flamers in in most games. Now for the um, corn demon prince, the retinue. Uh, this time there was enough points to upgrade the flesh hounds to blood crushers. Uh, there's four blood crushers in this regiment, and they even carry standard, and they carry the banner rage, meaning they're uh, frenzied with double attacks. And of course they have the chance of the nearest target in this case uh you use the spawn to to block them off in case there's something you don't want to to attack because there's another spawn in this one so the four blood crushers with the standard and banner of rage that's 430 points the corn demon prince is 375 and then of course you have the uh, yeah the spawn as well but in most cases you just since the blood crushers are a little slower but hard more it's harder uh, you don't have to worry that much about being frenzy baited uh, to add on top of that um, instead of going with more magic in this one we get with more ranged so we have the two flamers and then there are three units of dark elf scouts in the allies two units of five and one unit of six this not only um, provides some uh, well since none of your units, uh, all your units are last can seen this. So it's not really about providing um, uh, blocking line of sight for any range, but rather to take off, uh, pick off enemy artillery pieces or to, to stop your blood crushers from charging uh, something you don't want to charge. And of course, this time again, we've gone with six harpies since we could afford it. Um, six harpies. There's a, quite the discussion whether you want five harpies or four or, or six harpies in a unit. Now, five harpies you get cheaper. Of course, you save the 15 points. But if should you um, should you lose a harpy uh, from when you have a unit of five, then you only have four bottles left. You can no longer use them to negate enemy combat result by charge, uh, doing a flying charge into the side of an enemy unit so you basically you would go in with the blood crushers or you would go in with the flamers or you would go in with one of the demon princes in the front and then you'd send the harpies in the side cause a panic test and negate their uh, combat um, 
rank rank and file combat result. So this is one of the choices for going with six harpies. Um, it is is potentially also one of our ideas from Flail of Skulls edition that's uh, bleeding into this list as well, because there six models is is usually better than five models, because you get the more chances of getting the outnumbering rule, and uh, you need a minimum of five harpies to capture a table quarter in uh, in Flail Skulls edition. So losing a, a harpy there as well would also mean that you won't be able to contest <coughs> that you won't be able to contest a um, a table quarter and not capture it for yourself. So yeah, if you're the um, if you're the pitch battle, then you have the option. Uh, all your units can basically get into range in the first turn. The enemy cannot deploy far enough away from you not to be able to get a charge. Uh, most of your units are flying, so they ignore the uh, the defenses provided by fences, uh, the defenses provided by fences and hedges and such like. And uh, your flamers can fly over them with no trouble. So you're not uh, in it, it does, you don't have an issue there as well to get into range. Um, your blood crushers are probably going to do well even if there was fences to to give an issue um and if not you just keep them back until there is an opening for you to get in and then just let your demon princes cause in fly in cause terror you can basically get the entire enemy ar army to uh, force a terror test on them in the first turn in the first of your turns and you can deploy far enough away for your opponent to have no real effect on you unless they have artillery and if you do have artillery then of course um you either use the terrain to hide your uh, demon princes, or you place the spawn in front of them. Uh, you just lined up straight, so you can actually have uh, two demon princes hit hit behind the same spawn, or you can use the blood crushers. You have a lot of options to protect your demon princes from taking um, enemy artillery fire, because your enemy has to pick a target they're shooting against and then start guessing the range. They can't try to uh, effectively overshoot um, it just because they, they know it's there, but you know they have to actually choose a unit to fire at and then guess the range for that. They can't just say like, oh, I'm get looking at that one and I'm guessing an additional 20 inches than what I'm expecting. That's poor sportsmanship in at least, I would say so in, in this game. But yeah, uh, line, of, uh, line of sight blockers blood pressures and spawn you will not be able to do that with the uh, pink horrors which is another reason uh, you will not be able to go do it with the flesh hounds which is uh, more reasons why you would go with the blood crushers instead um, uh, because artillery is effective for the defender in a, in a last stand uh, scenario um, can be of course it has to be yeah you know, have to uh, be moderate with your picks uh, with your choices of artillery simply because uh, anything you do not choose to uh, fight in combat as as defender means that you will be even more outnumbered once we get to combat but yeah you have some pretty decent anti-magic here with the spell breaker of course you get the winds of magic as well to try and dispel so in most cases you're <coughs> You're fairly decent coming in. Uh, I should suspect that this is a game that you would like to close out in turn one or two uh, for the attacker as the best option. I think you could probably, with this army, you have a bit good chance of routing or destroying uh, the entire enemy force on turn two. As you have to roll really poorly on the dice. Or, or your enemy has to have a, a straight-up counter to demons. And you have all those Dark Elf Scouts to support you as well, to pick off uh, singular characters, or that are straight too far from their unit protection, or just to harass the enemy war machines. It's all quite uh, a strong list. So, of course, I will be, uh, once we post this uh, podcast, I will, of course, also include the actual... Uh, list themselves so you can have a look 
um, and feel free to make suggestions of what you thought would be better or if you do have think of any direct counters to this you feel free to share them with us um, as we mentioned these are designed these are three lists here are designed for um, tournament style play so they're designed to be facing other armies that try to optimize the scenario rather than build against a certain build so that's everything i have for you today i hope you enjoyed our little walkthrough of these lists and they of course will be posted uh, alongside the podcast on facebook if you have any uh, questions about uh, the Warhammer fifth edition or if you have any questions about the flails skulls edition feel free to visit us at the warhammer fifth edition tactics and strategy flail of skulls facebook group we're currently working our way towards version 3.0 of the Flail of Skulls edition, uh, bringing about some necessary changes, at least that we feel, to make the game more balanced. So if you want to join us in making the edition, feel free to uh, uh, bring us your suggestions as well, and we'll consider it whether we feel it is a, um, a good thing to include in the, um, in the next edition. And um, as for the next podcast, it'll likely be about the Ring and Battle uh, Renaissance team tournament that's going to be happening here at the start of October. I should be attending here with a, hopefully an Empire Army, uh, with my teammate who's going to be bringing High Elves. Uh, but if that's not going to be ready in time i do have some models still left to be painted for the empire list i will be bringing a orcs and goblins uh, instead i think for an unlikely alliance so i think that's everything for today and i'll just wish you a very nice day bye bye <laughs>